I've kind of shifted the model a little bit to make it fair for everyone and even the even the playing field. So you really just pay for what you use and you choose the membership model that makes sense for you. So it starts off on the higher end. If you only take a limited number of hours, obviously we'll charge you more. But if you're in the studio space accessing, you know, like a lot of hours for the month, then the price for you drops down. And that just gives you more money in your pocket, which, you know, if you win, then we win too. Welcome to the Stakeholders Podcast, the show where we try to answer the question, what's at stake? We dive into how an organization's pursuit of their objectives affect or are affected by the people. Our guests come from the private industry, government, education, and more to discuss how they manage with their stakeholders in mind to achieve long-term success. Today, we're joined by Celia Lopez, the founder and CEO of PlaceMade. Celia, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? For sure. Well, first of all, th- Andy, thanks so much for the intro, and I, I'm just super excited to be here. Um, to all your listeners, uh, hey, everyone, my name is Celia Lopez. Um, I'm a former athlete turned personal trainer and now the founder of PlaceMade & Co., uh, PlaceMate is Canada's first health and fitness inspired co-working space designed specifically for health and fitness professionals. So we provide a shared workspace and training solution for these professionals to come in, train or treat their clients. And we also provide them with business tools, training and support and a community of powerful industry professionals uh, just like them. And I think that's really interesting that you weren't originally in business. You were a personal trainer. You spent your, uh, you know, at least the early parts of your career doing that. Um, what was it like to transition from doing personal training to having your own business? So I grew up playing sports for the majority of my life. Um, then I transitioned, you know, my love for for sports into fitness, and then eventually completing my bachelor's of science kinesiology degree. After university, I moved back home to Toronto and started my personal training career. And, you know, it was it was through working through at a small fitness company that my clients actually started to notice me. So they were the ones who actually encouraged me to do my own thing. So I did. You know, I started off um, in a local park here in downtown Toronto. You know, I, I was charging five dollars a class at the time. Um, it was a boot camp class. And, you know, tons of people would show up about like 30 plus sometimes. But, you know, if you do the math, I wasn't making nearly enough to live. So, you know, I I knew I had to do better. Um, And then from there, a client introduced me to a woman who became my business mentor. And from there, my true passion for business was born. You know, she she taught me how to build uh, the foundation, a proper foundation that all businesses should have. So, for example, you know, understanding what your pricing model is like, uh, what your branding should be, your marketing and even your, your cash flow, right? understanding where your money goes and how it leaves. Um, And then from there, I started enrolling in in local entrepreneurship programs here in the city. And if you don't know, like a lot of cities offer free, like these type of free programmings for free programs. So I encourage all of you to kind of tap into that because it really gets you educated on on, on business. And, And so that's kind of how I made the transition from being a personal trainer and then eventually going into business. And that's really interesting. You like you had that mentor that inspired you to go further, be better. Um, I, I think that's awesome. I think every person needs that. And honestly, that's a stakeholder to you right there. You yeah. were influenced by her. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's awesome. And I, I do want to ask you a little bit about like the co-working space idea. Um, how did you start thinking about that? As far as uh, you know, because you know, co-working sp- workout space is something new and something that I haven't even thought about being a thing. So yeah, what inspired you? Yeah, so it was participating in these entrepreneurship programs. You know, they they really get you to dive deep into business and and understand your business better just and just overall right like you're really thinking about who your competitors are what the global market is saying and and just really pushing you to think outside of your box or outside of outside of your bubble um so i started researching different opportunities in the health and fitness space and i stumbled across the we work model and i started to think about how i could do this for our industry and it was from there that a light bulb went off and i I understood that I could build something similar and even solve the problem, my own problem that I had been experiencing as an independent or uh, freelance personal trainer. So for us that kind of go off on our own as independent trainers, you know, we do encounter these problems of like lack of access to space where we can actually train or treat our clients. Um, You know, if we work out of other studios, we don't really get the prime times. The studio gets the prime times. And sometimes these studios take a big cut of kind of of commissions from us because we're renting their space. And I didn't like that. And, you know, that also the the second problem is we lack access to resources and tools of truly understanding what it takes to build a business. And from there, we also like where is where is the community of people like myself who are really just you know, trying to chase our own dream and and build our own companies or businesses. So I figured if I can house all of these things under one roof, we could have something. And, you know, I figured why not try it out? And it's, in fact, we do, you know, since launching PlaceMade, we've had tremendous success. You know, we've won pitch competitions, funding opportunities, and the local support that we've gotten here in the city is, is just amazing. And we're just really excited for what the future has in store for us. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really inspiring. Like like the fact that you went out and people are noticing. Um, And I think um, the fact that we work with one of the companies that kind of made you, uh, you know, it it probably wasn't the first thing that you saw, but you saw that. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, we work didn't end very well. Um, And I don't think that's because of the model. I think that's because the leadership didn't have the right idea in mind for what they were supposed to be doing. And they totally took advantage of people. Yeah. which I don't think you're doing at all. I just want to make that clear to the listeners. <laughs> um, and I, it's such a great idea. And I really think that what you're doing is great. And I think that the purpose that you're trying to provide a place for these, um, for, for people like yourself that are trying to make other people's lives healthier is really noble. And like, I totally agree with it. I, I can't go a day without working out, honestly. Um, and can you explain a little bit about like that, the difference between your model and the model of those uh, studios? Because I actually um, don't fully understand the difference. Um, and it'd be great to get a little bit better of a glimpse. Yeah. So our model is pretty much, it's like based on usage. You know, you get a membership based on how many or how many hours you or how many days you'd like to access the space. What typically happens when you work out of these other studios that you're renting space from, 
they might take a percentage of what you're making. So it might be like a 70-30 split or, um, you know, like the split could just vary depending on the studio. So what ends up happening is if you actually make a lot of money, you're, the, the studio itself is also going to take a lot of money it's on its own too. So I've kind of shifted the model a little bit to make it fair for everyone and even the, even the playing field. So you really just pay for what you use and you choose the membership model that makes sense for you. So it starts off on the higher end. If you only take a limited number of hours, obviously we'll charge you more. But if you're in the studio space accessing, you know, it, like a lot of hours for the month, then the price for you drops down. And that just gives you more money in your pocket, which, you know, if you win, then we win too, is, is the way that I've kind of put it. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And um, I think you've already touched on a couple of different stakeholder groups that you obviously like to uh, talk about. So your trainers or the health instructors, they come to your uh, gym. And then uh, I'd like to dive into some of the other primary stakeholders that you have. Um, would you be able to tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so f- for the primary stakeholders, I would say it's obviously would be myself because I own and, and run the company, but for sure my customers, like our, our trainers or our fitness professionals, but also their clients, because their clients are the ones who are also experiencing this and and they they they're the ones that actually pay the trainer and if they don't pay the trainer then the trainer doesn't pay us so we really take into consideration what their clients are saying and if how they feel about the space is there anything that's missing and we really take their feedback very seriously because we also want the trainers to look good because if the trainer looks good then we look good as well right yeah absolutely and i think that that direct correlation and like the fact that you're singing these all the way through it is a major part of uh, providing further value from beginning to end. Do, do you have incentives or do you have different things to like um, help your trainers be better for, uh, for their own clients? Uh, well, given the circumstances right now, we haven't been able to provide, I guess, the full experience that we've wanted. So, but like, we'll do little things that will make us or make the trainer stand out. For example, like, you know, towel service is a big thing, like offering free towels to their clients and, and for them, right? Even providing uh, like a, we have a juice bar in there. So the juice bars also have access or the cu- customers also have access to that. And we also have a partner clinic next door. So if they're looking for, you know, um, physio, rehab, massage therapy, we give them a preferred rate. So we're trying to really think about how, we can empower that personal or that health and fitness professional to like take the experience of their clients that like a step above and beyond little touches from even, you know, the smell of the space to the way that the washroom and the change room is set up to even like greetings um, when the customers come or their clients come in like, Hey, how's it going? How was your workout? You know, those, all those little touch points I feel like are, are super important because if the client's experience is, is that much better, then that personal trainer will also look that much better. And then our space will just be like all the health and fitness professionals will just want to come there because we'll treat their clients and their customers like gold, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I had a re- recent example of a terrible customer experience for those. Um, my girlfriend re- recently got <clears throat> a gym membership since everything's opening back up slowly. And she 
joined and the first thing in the door was some personal trainer trying to like get her to sign up for training sessions for like she said something like 30 minutes it was ridiculous yeah um not a great user experience in my opinion (laughs) exactly exactly and i'm really all like the experience that I want want to create, like I'm really looking at companies like Airbnb and how they even create, like, you know, what they call the 10 star experience and implementing that into the way that w- with PlaceMade, because we are a space, but it, I want also people to experience what it means to actually be here. Like it's a powerful place. It's not just a space. Like it's really a, a, a place for these professionals to take their business to that next level. I'm actually not familiar with the 10 star experience. Can you, can you elaborate? Yeah. So the way that Airbnb, I I can't really remember everything, but the pretty much the gist of it is, is, you know, we think of creating a five star experience, but what Airbnb did is they were thinking of how can we not create a five star experience, but how can we create it so that it's 10 stars so that when people think of that five star, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, like super just mind blowing. And when you think about Airbnb, you'll just always have this, this, this amazing experience because they've literally thought about everything to take it to that, that 10 star experience. Right. So you know, they, you have these things now like, like super hoax or like their Airbnb experiences. So they're really like pushing their, their hosts and their clients to experience Airbnb and, and the, the spaces that they rent to that next level. Right. So that's exactly what I would want to do with placemate or or what we are doing with placemate is, okay, we want to create a five-star experience, but how can we take it to that 10 star so that that five star actually is like mind blowing and, and just super amazing that people will just be like, wow. That's awesome. And, you know, it's like thinking about that 10 star experience. Um, you've probably already asked yourself this question, but have you thought about who your secondary stakeholders are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for us, our secondary stakeholders would be like our business advisors and and our mentors, because they have so much more experience than, than I have or, or what the company has, I really take in what they think we could be like, you know, five years down the line, 10 years down the line. And of course, they take a more like a passive role, but I really do value their input and, and their experience. And I, and I just incorporate it into placemate like when it makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important to focus on those passive stakeholders, even if like they're not there a hundred percent of the time, or maybe they don't always voice their opinion. There's mm-hmm. so much to be learned if you just go out there and ask. Exactly. Exactly. And we're always asking questions. I mean, there's so much more as we keep continue to build, there's so much like more we don't even know. And as we move through it, like these, they've really helped me like, even from the pricing model or the business model that I had set up before, like we've changed it so many times and, and they just know even when to make those changes. Once if we test something and it doesn't work for like a month or two, they're like, okay, change it right away. If for me, I would have probably maybe pushed it a little bit longer, but because they have that experience of like, no, if it's, it's been like a a month or two now, it's not working. Like you should probably change it because from our experience, it means that it's not working, right? So it's great to have those um, those types of people in your business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure that uh, once you start into it and everything, you're going to 
start learning all of that. And you're going to pass that knowledge down to someone else. Yeah, exactly. You just got to keep paying it forward, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and I actually wanted to kind of circle back around to the WeWork conversation just because I think it's really interesting. Uh, again, not to correlate you all at all. You're obviously very different companies. Um, but I think that WeWork has cast a shadow over what this industry could be. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, like, do you feel like you have to, because, you know, you're still a stakeholder to the industry. So anything that affects the industry, you're also affected by. Do you feel the need or do you feel that you have to kind of prove to people that you're not a company like WeWork or um, have you had to take other actions because of the history with them? Um, not so much, I would say. I think we've, I think Placemate has already built a name just in itself, like on its own. Um, I don't really think people correlate us to them unless I bring it up that I actually, you know, the idea, they started planting that seed. They helped me start planting that seed. It was them, you know? So I don't, it hasn't really, like, we haven't really come across that. I'm thankfully I'm not, not really, but like, yeah. So we're, I guess we're pretty lucky because I mean, I know that I have talked to some VCs and, and other angel investors who kind of think we're along the same lines of like the shared model and they're not really into it, but we're a different industry. And once I explain how this model can be so beneficial for our industry and it's actually never really been executed to its full extent before then that's when people start getting excited yeah it's an exciting industry um yeah absolutely i think that's awesome and Celia, i i love to ask all my guests this question uh, because it's always comes back with such great insight um there's this concept called the separation fallacy and it's basically the idea that a good business decision can possibly be a good ethical decision and then vice versa, ethical decisions can possibly make for successful business decisions. Now, this, in my opinion, is exactly that a fallacy. Uh, however, I just kind of want to kind of get your opinion on it and like hear your thoughts. And um, yeah, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. This is definitely a challenge for, for many businesses, especially you know, during the pandemic and businesses have had to make tough choices and some were unethical to, you know, to even keep them alive. And I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't experience this myself, but, you know, at the end of the day, the main goal I focus on with any tough decision I have to make is whether it aligns with our vision and the integrity of our brand. So if the choice reflects per poorly on who we position ourselves to be and, and what our clients expect of us, then, then that's when I'll, I'll rethink the choice. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really the case for a lot of, you know, small businesses, a lot of businesses that were just starting out. Um, I can't imagine the last year was easy on, on anyone, but um, yeah, it's just very interesting. And the fact that, you know, we're slowly moving out of this current state, it's, yeah. uh, it's crazy to me. <laughs> it's been a crazy time for, uh, yeah, a lot of businesses I can imagine. And it, I've seen so many clothes and it, it's really sad to see. And uh, I just, my heart goes out to them. Yeah, so seriously. Um, 
And so, yeah, I want to thank you very much for being a guest today. Um, you gave us a lot of great insight from your end. And do you have any final thoughts before we sign off today? No, just thanks so much for having me here on the podcast. It, it was amazing. And I can't, you know, wait to hear the feedback. And if anybody has you know, questions or wants to reach out to me, they can feel free to reach out to me on um, my social accounts. Yeah, and I'll make sure to link your social, your company website, all of that good stuff in the description below. Thank you so much for being a guest today, and I'll see the rest of my listeners in the next episode.